Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It's just like your family treats you. Find your healthy family at northmemorial.com slash family. Welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Ben Gessling and Jim Suhan of the Star Tribune. They are both at Raymond James Stadium, where the Vikings just lost 26-14 to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They fall to 6-7. and seven. We'll discuss all the fallout of that. Dan Bailey, we'll certainly get to that, and all the kind of uh, twists and turns of this game. But guys, we got to start out with the kicker. Mike Zimmer says... Friday that he's got all the confidence in the world and Dan Bailey and he showed it at times because he kept trotting him out there Jim what did you think of the day that was with uh, Dan Bailey uh, well, you know kind of heartbreaking first of all I mean you hate to see somebody who's been a, a really good pro for so long just have just have an embarrassing possibly career-ending day like that and frankly I hate to see kickers deciding NFL games <laughs> it's like the guy was on the field for about 12 seconds and he ends up being the entire story uh and listen, they they probably have no choice but to move on from him. Uh, and it does speak to Zimmer's ongoing historical difficulties with kickers. You know, and you can't draw a direct line. You can't say Zimmer's management is the reason Bailey suddenly can't kick the ball. But, you know, we know the history. We know that uh, they probably weren't patient enough with Daniel Carlson. We know that. Blair Walsh certainly didn't do well here. We know they've spent draft picks and, and capital trying to fix their kicker problem. And here they are in December in a playoff race. And once again, they have kicker problems. Yeah. And the Vikings, Mike Zimmer said afterward, after Dan Bailey goes 0 for 4, missing three field goals and one extra point attempt. And this is after he missed a few kicks against the Jaguars, just kind of cycled and rolled downhill for him. Uh, Mike Zimmer said they do have a decision to make. Uh, ben, what did you read into that? And do you think there's the chance they're going to move on from that? Well, I think he's pretty conflicted about it. I mean, it, it was interesting, you know, to kind of go back through it. Um, he got asked, I think, seven questions about Dan Bailey in one form or another after the game. And he probably took like 11 or 12 total. So it was, it was the bulk of the postgame. I asked him the last question, and his response was muted somehow or another. He got muted when he was responding on – zoom so then i asked him the question again which i'm sure he was not thrilled about but it's like well i wanted to find out what you i like he had kind of gone back and forth he said i don't know about dan bailey's future in one form or another like three times and i said basically how how will you know this week what does he need to show you to make you decide that he's still the kicker because you're not going to i assume they're going to have to make a decision before they play again so my question was basically what are you going to learn this week in practice that will help you make this decision? And then he said, you know, really, it was probably his most expansive answer on it. He, he said a lot of different things there about, I, I like him. I, I like the way he goes about his job. He's been a good kicker for a long time. It wasn't just him. Uh, we, we brought up the 50-yard play, the 48-yard play, I think it was, on Scotty Miller. Uh, that Anthony Harris looked like he jumped. And he basically says, if, if, if you guys want me to fire somebody every time, they make a mistake. We won't have any players left. It's not all Dan Bailey. It's like nobody's trying to get the kicker fired. We have to ask about it. But it was it was interesting that response because he I think is is pretty conflicted on this because Dan Bailey is here, like you mentioned, because they made a snap decision on Daniel Carlson, and Dan Bailey for the better part of two years has been fairly reliable for them. I, I think at least he's a guy that they trust. So now you're in this boat again where you 
lost a game in large part because of kicking issues. And do you make the decision to move on or do you say we're not going to do better with anything else we have, especially because we can't go sign somebody and get them ready to play with the COVID protocols before next week, which probably means it's your practice squad kicker, Tristan Vizcaino. Um, so it, it's a tough choice. But I think in the end, if you still like Dan Bailey, my question is, is this team worth getting rid of a kicker that you think over the long haul is still worth your time? Because I don't know that they're going anywhere, even if they have a kicker. It's, I mean, it's kind of a catch-22 in a lot of ways. Yeah, Ben, you bring up Mike Zimmer talking about how Dan, I think he said at the end, yeah, Dan Bailey's not the only reason or don't just put it all on Dan. Um, Jim, how much, I guess, do you put on that considering the fact that it wasn't? If he makes all his kicks, they still lose by two points. Right, exactly. First of all, if he makes all of his kicks, they lose. If we presume that kicking is easy, then you also have to give the Bucks an extra point because they missed an extra point. And he missed a 54-yarder on grass in an outdoor stadium. Uh, you can't assume he's going to make that. So it's probably more realistic to say he cost them seven points, and that doesn't get you anywhere. Uh, so, yeah, listen, <laughs> kicking is important. Of course it is. He's directly leads to points. But there are so many other things that happen in this game. They were able to run the ball down the throats of a very good run defense, and they still didn't produce many points. Um, they you know, had a big defensive breakdown, led to an easy long touchdown for Tom Brady, who has not been throwing the ball well deeply. Uh, you know, they, and, you know, Cousins was efficient and he was cautious and he ran the ball well, but you have Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, you know, two excellent receivers, two excellent deep threats, and you didn't make any big plays with them. So there are just a million different things that happen. As in so many close NFL losses, there are a million different things that happen that cost them the game. Yeah, too, when we're talking about Cousins, I mean, we're talking about six sacks. Once again, back-to-back weeks, they've been sacked the most in the season. Um, four sacks against Jacksonville at the time was a season high, and then six this week is a season high, a new one. Uh, Cousins took 12 hits. This is after he took 14 hits. Um, ben, how much of it are you putting on the offensive line? How much are you putting it on Kirk Cousins and the fact that he admitted after the game that he held onto the ball a few times, didn't want to take a chance on what he was seeing downfield, and this Vikings team still hasn't been able to at least be efficient in those moments they've taken sacks. Yeah, I, I think you have to put some of it there. Some of it has been they haven't found a place to go with the ball downfield. And I think if you're able to get pressure with four, which Tampa Bay was able to do for a lot of the game, it, it puts you in that tough spot where you can't get the obvious throws downfield because they have to bring extra pressure. So some of it's that. I, I thought overall he, he made a lot of plays with his feet. I mean, he, he scrambled, I think, for 30 yards, or I think it ended up as 40, which I'd have to go look it up. But I, I have to think that's his highest rushing output in an awful long time. And I thought made another couple of plays to extend things to get away from a rush when he was looking to throw. So I think he did a lot there. But there are the, the other piece of it, I think, is that the easiest way to beat a pass rush is to get rid of the ball quickly. And we've seen them – do that at times this year when Cousins has talked about sort of hitting singles and doubles and and not needing to hit home runs. But maybe we're back to that a little bit where he's looking for home runs too much or or just maybe we're in the game situation when they had to. But the ability to get rid of the ball quickly wasn't really there. Yeah, if you actually look at this Bucks defense, they were down a starting cornerback. Um, Tampa Bay's weakness 
really was against the pass. Um, they had allowed 100-yard receivers. They'd allowed uh, touchdown after touchdown, two receivers. If you go back and look at some of the games that Cooper Cup, Robert Woods have had against them, DK Metcalf, basically any star receiver that you would put Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen up in that echelon with was able to produce. And I think you saw the Buccaneers just say, well, we're going to take away those guys. And for Kirk Cousins not to find a way, for Gary Kubiak too, to not find a way to adjust and get the ball quickly to those guys, they still produce with some of the tight ends. But I think, Jim, you're still seeing, as you mentioned, so much of those plays left out on the field um, that could have helped them in this kind of game. And look, the Buccaneers, they're, they're, you mentioned the number one pat run defense in the NFL, but they're not that great. Yeah, they allowed more than 800 yards passing their last two games. And as you said, they're down a cornerback and the Vikings strength is their wide receivers. Now that did play into Irv Smith getting, you know, a reasonable part of the uh, portion of the offense to scoring a touchdown. But I just don't think, I don't, I don't think you can allow a defense to take away your best players. And I think Justin, you know, and obviously they, they were able to get a lot out of Cook today, but I just think that Thielen or Jefferson, I, there were some times today when I thought Cousins had multiple receivers open and he threw to the shortest option. And sometimes it was Tyler Conklin, you know, some, and I know that, and that's where Cousins always talks about, Hey, you got to go where the read takes you. Well, sometimes you got to go where the best players take you. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point because we did not see too many of those chances thrown up to Thielen or Jefferson. I believe Thielen had something like just three targets or four targets through much of this. Yeah, much of this game or the whole thing. Um, Yeah. So in terms of that, when you're talking about a team that still only put up 14 points, that's where it is. They got two of them too. You're supposed to be able to leverage those guys in certain situations and get them open. And Kirk Cousins just didn't seem to do that today. And when you looked at this game compared to the the Bears game, for instance, which was probably – the most recent tough defensive game they've had. Kirk was decisive. He was hitting sideline throws. He was finding Justin Jefferson right at, at the uh, marker for first downs. Um, I think they were like 10 for 14 on third down in that game. That was what they needed to win that kind of a game against that kind of a defense. And they didn't get that from Kirk as efficient as he was. They didn't get that kind of, and whether it was coaching or whether it's just Kirk's ex- execution, they left a lot of that on the field. And I think that's what you kind of get with Kirk. If he's going to try to play mistake-free football, you're not always going to get this hyper-efficient guy. And I think that's kind of hurt them at times this year. Um, ben, what do you think right now when we're talking about the last three games in, in this offense and kind of the NFC playoff picture? Because they're out of it right now, seventh or eighth seed it would be, um, on the first one outside looking in. And I think the Cardinals stepped ahead of them. Obviously, the Bucks were ahead with this win. Um What's left? And I guess we were kind of expecting a result like this. So how does that affect the outlook right now for the playoffs? Well, I think, you know, next week now becomes a lot more critical in the sense that the, the Bears have gotten themselves back to six and seven. And you have to go win that to have any chance. And you realistically probably have to. I think you probably need to win out. I mean, you, you're probably not going at eight and eight, especially when Arizona is at seven wins now and presumably will, I think they have San Francisco left in the schedule and they have one other one that's not terribly imposing. So you probably have to win out. And that means going down to New Orleans in two weeks and beating them. And I, I think the Saints are hoping to have Drew Brees back by that point, which is, I think, makes things a lot more difficult, assuming Drew Brees comes back at, at typical Drew Brees level play. We'll see. But yeah, I, I think you have to go win out in it. Boy, it, it's tough to see them going into New Orleans and winning 
when that is a team that will present a lot of the same issues that the Bucks did in terms of a defense that can get after Cousins and potentially make things difficult for them to just lean on Dalvin Cook all day. I guess to that point, Jim, I, I think you probably certainly weren't as um, kind of overlooking the issues the Vikings offense had against the Jaguars and the Panthers as much as other people. But when they saw them go on this five and one run, I was getting questions on the radio of like, are they, are they contenders now? Is, are they in the mix? And I'm like, they've been beating up on a lot of bad defenses. When you look at the stretch ahead of them now, after this Bucks game, I don't think it's going to get much easier. There's only one game that looks out of character when you look back at the entire schedule right now, and that's winning at Green Bay. Green Bay's good. And like, yes, I agree good, with that completely. You know, and every, every other game, they either beat a bad team or lost to a, a good team or lost to a decent team or in some, in a couple of cases lost to a bad team. So the green Bay game is the only one that doesn't really make sense. And if you look at the rest of their schedule and just assume that they're going to win the last three games, <laughs> you're, you're probably being overly optimistic. Uh, you know, they're, I mean, we don't, I mean, honestly, Chicago looked really good today. We don't know that they're better than the bears in two weeks ago. I would have told you they're better than the bears. Uh, they're not as good as the saints. And who knows what the Lions, a Lions-Vikings game last week of the season could look like. You just, it, you, would, you would presume right now would be a victory, but we don't really know that. So, you know, it, it, this has been a mediocre team. And other than the Green Bay game, they've kind of been a mediocre team all year. I, and I guess, you know, when, you win, when they win five out of six, you kind of start you have to treat them as contenders because of the nature of this playoff race, but they're not a good team. They're just kind of almost contending. Yeah, especially with the talent, the talent disparity was just so large on the field. I mean, when you're seeing, I, I think it was the drive out of halftime where the Bucks just kind of waltz down the field and score. And I just, the first thought that popped in my head was this isn't Carolina anymore because of the way that they were able to utilize Ronald Jones, Gronk, uh, Mike Evans, some of those guys, it's, they're just more talented. And they were making plays over the Vikings. Um, and then there was still some weird, weird, weird plays. We should bring up the pass interference call right before halftime. Jim, have you ever seen that in all, all, all the years watching football? Have you ever seen a pass interference call on a Hail Mary attempt just before halftime? Well, this is one time that YA Tittle threw one up and, no, uh, I, I can't remember ever seeing it. Uh, I can't remember ever seeing it. I think our friend Kevin Seifert uh, for ESPN, who does a great job kind of covering referee-type stories, I think he said there really hasn't been a pass interference on a Hail Mary in that kind of last you know second of a half situation since like 2009. And listen, Viking, Viking fans complained about a lot of calls today. I think the one where they had – a leg to stand on was that call. Uh, yes, you can call it, but you call it on almost any Hail Mary. And it was kind of pushing and shoving on both sides. I, that's the one that I, I would understand somebody being very upset about. Then again, it cost them three points. It wasn't the deciding factor in the entire game. Well, because that was a sequence where they obviously had then the helmet to helmet contact call on Harrison Smith. Um, that would have been around the same time, I believe, right before halftime or in the second quarter. That's the fourth Yeah, the one. Smith one was on the series that they had. They could have ended with Gladney pick, and you know could have. But then you had DPI, and then they scored on a Ronald Jones touchdown. And then the uh, obviously Hail Mary at the end of the half. So it was a couple of minutes apart there. But yeah, the Smith call came first, and then uh, the call on Todd Davis on the Hail Mary. 
And I think Mike Zimmer tried to use that kind of at the end and saying um, two calls. He felt like that those two calls kind of swayed the game a little bit. But as we talked about, there were so many issues offensively and defensively. We saw more defensive breakdowns. We saw, I think it was like a 40 or 50 yard touchdown to Scotty Miller. It looked like Anthony Harris kind of bit on an underneath route. And at the time, you're probably not expecting Tom Brady the way he was throwing the ball to air it out that far. But he did. And I think we continue to see some of these breakdowns in the secondary. And those are some of the issues they'll they'll have and hey Mitchell Trubisky I don't know if you guys saw Jim mentioned the Bears today but he's on fire now he's on a roll he's back he's back (laughs) Jim what do you think about um before we end this podcast what do you think about Mitchell Trubisky coming to town uh next week Uh, well it's fascinating isn't it I mean I mean I I certainly I, I was of two minds of Trubisky in this way I don't think he's a good quarterback and yet I thought he was easily the best choice for the bears because the only time Matt Nagy's offense has worked, it was when Trubisky is running around making crazy plays. You know, I mean, I don't like the offense. I don't like the offense for a quarterback, but he's better, you know, frankly, he's better than Nick Foles and he can run around and he can make something happen. And Foles couldn't do that. So uh, I'm, I'm very surprised he played as well as he did today, but then again, it was against a bad team. that's probably given up. So uh <laughs> But he does present a challenge. He presents much more of a challenge than Nick Foles would have. And, hey, we've seen Mitchell Trubisky come into U.S. Bank Stadium in December and win a game that was very important to the Vikings. Um, that was 2018, the finale, right? They, yep. they needed a win yes. to have a chance to get yep. And Trubisky led, I believe, a touchdown drive at the very end to win that game, if I remember right. Uh, they had a long drive to seal it. I think it was like yep. a 90-something yard, you know, eight-and-a-half-minute kind of March and I think Trubisky made a couple of plays on that drive. Yes, that but that basically ended it. Yeah, so hey, maybe Ryan Pace over there in Chicago finds a way to save his job because Mitchell Trubisky comes into Minnesota and kind of continues his role. Who knows? We'll see. Um, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Access Vikings podcast. Uh, we will talk to you later this week previewing that Bears game. Please check out all of our work at startribune.com. Maybe you should get off the podcast. <laughs>